some of you may know Robert C. Kelly. Um, his son is George Beidel Kelly. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. George Beidel. He grew up in Troy. He first attended RPI and it didn't fit for him, so he went to Cornell Uni University. While in Cornell, he helped found the first black Greek letter fraternity, the Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity. Proud member of Fifth Avenue Ladies Zion Church. Yes, he is. Come into that. began going back to church. At the time, he will also be immersed in his father's friends and new friends, Reverend James N. Bodie, Reverend Jeremiah R.B. Smith of the Liberty Street Presbyterian Church, Reverend Harvey White, pastor of the AME, Zion Church at the time. He and others are going to help to establish the Troy Colored Citizens Advancement Club, which is really the precursor of the NAACP after the Civil War. Mm -hmm. They made friends with W.E.B. Du Bois, Walter Wright of the original NAACP that we learned about out of the Niagara Movement. They brought those men to this city. They established a branch here that combines a non-denominational, but connected through all of the churches movement for black civil rights in the North. And I think it's important that we pay attention to that because we think often of the South as the place where Jim Crow was destroying people's lives. But these black pastors in Troy knew that there should be betterment, there should be uplift, there should be equitable housing, there should be integrated schools, there should be youth organizations, all of the things that their forebearers had advocated for and had organized before the Civil War is what they reintroduced after. Now there's a lot of names that I could list here. And I struggle with this because one of the things that I wanted to do as I was growing up and this, this nagging feeling of where are all the black people, right? And, and how did they walk the streets and what did they do where I come from? Right? How do I not name them? Mm. Okay. When we get closer to the 1960s, I just want to name a few of the organizations. Because I know in naming people, I'm going to leave vital people out. Mm. Okay. And so, one of the shout outs that I'd like to give for the youth who become the leaders in the 20th century is to the Girls Versatile Club. Do you remember them? Yeah. You are a versatile club. <laughs> the Versatile Club was founded in 1931. And it was really advised by Hardy D. White of the AME Church, but it combined all of the black churches. So young women in the three black churches in the area that were big, including <clears throat> Bethel Baptist, that was founded later in the 1930s. And their goal was to perform social, educational, and re religious work. Right? They were responsible for bringing 
black musicians to the area, including Duke Ellington. They also brought back former black Trojans who had gone out in the world and done a number of different things at annual luncheons. This included Dr. Dorothy Brown, who in 1964 came. She was the guest speaker at an annual luncheon. And it helped to initiate scholarships for black students to continue going on to college and support themselves. And the Versatile Club did many other things as well. The other organizations that come out of this movement at the time are the United Negro Federation and Negro Clubs. This was a united effort of bringing together Club Embassy Inc., the Fellow Crafter Club, the Happy Hour Social Club, this is Troy after all, the Toppers Social Club, and the Pleasant Valley Conservation Club from Schenectady. And this club really touched me when I learned about it, this kind of federation of Negro clubs. And it did so because it reminded me of another one that was founded in the 1830s in Troy. And that was the Union Society, which was black men and women in the city in the 1830s, who said they wanted to work with folks from Lansingburg, from Albany, from Schenectady, from Avril Park, a union society for the cause of civil rights and abolition. And so here we are again, right, just 100 plus years later, where those leaders in Troy, their children and their grandchildren are organizing those organizations and coming together, because much of their membership, just like before the Civil War, overlapped. Community. There was also a Troy Commission on Human Rights. Do I need to name some people or no? We, we remember some of us in this room. Nanny Goldsberry. In 1968, she and the Troy Commission on Human Rights had a series of events and lectures. It was called Civil Rights in You. They were held in Lansingburg. Reverend Stanley, James Lockhart, Faith Evans, and Nanny Goldsberry included different topics, and the titles were Segregation Northern Style. It looked at urban renewal, low-income housing, rent control, job discrimination in the city of Troy. The other title was Jim Crow in Perspective. And this one I found some notes on, which is really interesting, because what it did was talk about, or what was discussed, was the Great Migration and people like Reverend Stinney and his wife Ethel, who were part of the early Great Migration into Troy in the 1930s. And then they organized bus rides from here to the south to help people escape Jim Crow, violence, and lynching in South Carolina. They did many other things. He's a member of the NAACP, too. Another one of the titles was Our Country Too. And that touched me because I thought, you're right, that history book I'm reading in school, right? This is my country too. And I want to see myself in it. And I want to see people from where I come from and people who look like me and people who have to fight some of the same fights represented in it. So as I wrap up here, I want to bring us back to Hannah for a second. Because Hannah had said, I've been praying to somebody 
I've been praying that somebody would come along and find out about me and that the families among them who knew me know where I am. And I think about this quote a lot because I hope that I have done Anna some, Hannah some justice. I hope that when I write about her and put it in ink, her descendants and others can find out about her and where she is and where she went. And the other last quote that I have is one from Richard Wright, who, as you know, wrote Native Son and Black Boy. But he also wrote a book called The Man Who Lived Underground that publishers would not publish for almost 100 years. And it is the story of a man named Fred Daniels who is accused of a crime and is forced into a false confession. He literally goes underground, like into the sewers, to get away from being, being incarcerated. And when Richard Wright wrote this and people rejected it, he said that this was his work that had the most meaning in his life for him. This was the work where he felt the most creative in the process. This was the work that reflected his authentic self the most, even over his autobiography. What he writes about this book, and this is a quote, tradition is a dream, and he who does not dream cannot feel his past. And he who does not feel the past cannot feel the need for the future. A dream is tense, and tension is the prelude to action. <coughs> when the Black Lives Matters movement happened here in Troy, there, it was tense, and there was tension, and there was action. And that action resonated for me all the way back to before the Civil War. Mm. The blueprint the founders, black founders, men and women of this city, had laid that became the NAACP, that became the Anti-Slavery Society, that became the Human Rights Commission. So to conclude, I'd like to thank the NAACP for having the little girl who wanted to know where all the black people were. Yeah. <laughs>